Seacoast Church family, I love you guys so much. Thank you for the way that you care about us. When your pastors found out that we got hit so hard uh, by Tropical Storm Imelda, they, helped, they, they, they sent help immediately. In fact, not only did Pastor Greg hit me, Pastor Josh hit me, Jason hit me, literally the whole Surratt family hit me separately and said, hey, what can we do to help? And I'm, I'm, I can't tell you how grateful I am. The storm caught us by surprise. We knew it was gonna be bad. We just had no idea that it was gonna get this bad. The, the cell just set on top of our city and dumped water, not all over the city like Harvey did, but, but just as bad as Harvey in some areas. 43 inches of rain in, in a day and a half is just insane. And it hit people like Miss Sylvia. And whenever I found out it was Miss Sylvia, I mean, it smoked me because this, this is the lady that sews so much into so many people all the time. We partner with you, God forgive me, but it is what it is real. She, she, she helps us adopt 50 families every year for Christmas and I show up at her house today and she's just so happy to see me, so happy about our team being here and not even, not even worried about herself. And, and we, I talked to her about being able to receive and, and it's, been, it's been people like her that makes this worth it all. She's changing so many lives and now we get the opportunity to change her life. So we're, we're, not just, we're not just mucking out her house right now. She has no idea. We're, we're gonna make her house better than it was before. She's lived here for 20 years and she needs help. But it's not just her. There are thousands of people in our community just like this. I mean, we rescued 80 families on Thursday or Wednesday night, 80 families in a neighborhood that, that our fire and rescue couldn't get into. But our guys who drive airboats are able to, I actually have footage of them driving over roads, ruining the bottom of their boats, but they can get from water to road to water. And that's how they got to the back of this neighborhood where there are people drowning. They couldn't, in fact, if we hadn't shown up, there'd have been bodies in the water. So I'm just grateful that we have people who are willing, ready, and able to serve, do anything, everything, and nothing, whatever it takes, because that's what we do as a body of Christ. We look at a storm and we say, we will not go quietly into this storm, but we will go in yelling the name of Jesus. And we'll not just talk about the church, we will be the church, because that's who we're supposed to be. And when we join together, the Big C Church, churches from all over the United States of America and, and literally around the world, sowing in to this community and saying, hey, look, we see you going through something. You're not by yourself. We're going to stand with you. And it's because people like you that we're able to stand in our community and say, this is what Christ looks like. This is what the church looks like. So thank you. Thank you for changing Miss Sylvia's life. Thank you for changing people's lives who don't even know Jesus. We actually get to show up on their doorstep and be the Jesus that they've never seen. It's because of you. So thank you for the way that you care. Keep praying for us. We got a long road to recovery here, but we know that with the hands and feet of people who care and the hearts and prayers of people from around the nation, that we can make a massive difference. Thank you. Come on, thank you guys for being a part of that. We, uh, we thought it was important to show you that because you know we've had several storms that have hit Dorian and then a lot of people didn't even realize what happened down in Houston. But because of you guys' generosity, we were able to respond quickly uh, to both of those storms. We've done three water systems now in partnership with Water Missions International uh, in, in the Bahamas uh, to get clean water back to, to those families. We'll continue to respond. But uh, you know, a lot of times you don't realize we're in this series called Welcome Home. And a lot of times if your home is large enough, you don't realize all that's going on under your roof. And I wanted all of you to see that and to know that uh, you guys, by being generous, we've been able to be generous all around the world. And I think it's, it's really cool because that's where people really see the hands and feet of Jesus is when they're in crisis and in need. And so thank you guys for that. I want to welcome all of you uh, to Seacoast this weekend. It's going to be a great day in church this weekend. I want to welcome all of our campuses that are with us. Uh, I know Somerville, North Charleston, James Island, Johns Island, all around 
the state of South Carolina, Asheville, North Carolina. We have a big family and we love our, our church family. We're so thankful that all of you are with us. We're in this series, Welcome Home, and it's been great. We talked about finding God and, and our, our founding pastor, Greg Surratt, really laid the, the vision for why we do church the way we do church. And it's gonna be cool because at all of our campuses this weekend, we've got a baptism. And so I'm expecting to see hundreds of people get baptized and your campus pastors will give you more information about when and where each of the campuses doing that. Last weekend, Pastor Josh Walters brought a great message about growing our faith. And this week, we're gonna talk about discovering our purpose, discovering our purpose. We all have a purpose. We are all uniquely created with, with purpose. And, and I could stand here as, as your pastor and, and share with you, and I have in the past and I probably will in the future, but I'm excited to introduce you to a friend today. Uh, Lee Domain has been a friend now for several years. He currently serves as a legacy pastor at Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama, which is one of the great churches in America, doing incredible, incredible ministry out there. But Lee, for 30 years, has been in the marketplace. So his nine to five looks a lot more like your nine to five than maybe mine does. And so I, I wanted you guys to hear from Lee's perspective how he has learned to discover God's purpose for his life and make a huge, huge impact. And so Lee is an incredibly uh, successful businessman. He's obviously now in ministry as well. He's an entrepreneur. He's written some books. The only flaw that I could come up with for Lee is that he's from Louisiana, he's an LSU fan, and so let's all forgive him of that, okay? Uh, you, got, you got one fan over here, one person that you can kinda connect with. Uh, by the way, Clemson and Carolina both breezed through their games this weekend, that was awesome. Uh, just smooth sailing. Uh, but hey, uh, you guys are in for a treat. You're gonna love Lee Domain. Would you guys stand to your feet and help me welcome him to the platform as he shares with us? Come on, church, let's give it up for Jesus. Come on, Seacoast, you can do better than that. I love my Tigers. Go Tigers, go Clemson, go LSU, go Gamecocks. We all hate Alabama. Come on, somebody. Sorry, I got in the flesh there for a minute. I love being in the house of God on Sunday and love this church. Um, we had a, a, a great time yesterday and looking forward uh, to spending the day with you and just sharing what I believe God's put on my heart in discovering your purpose. I think it's one of the missing ingredients in people's lives. I spent a journey of over 30 years in the marketplace and the first few years I didn't know my purpose. I thought it was something completely different. I thought it was a really about building a dynasty in life. I thought it was about creating some moment where I could maybe retire one day and just kinda do something great for God. But God was in the journey, and he took me on a journey, and I'm gonna share some of my story with you and, uh, and connect the dots, because it's the journey in life that actually makes you. I think as we walk through different things, every step, God doesn't waste anything. I would be probably the most least likely individual if you knew my whole story to be up here today. You know, I get to serve as legacy pastor at Church of the Highlands and love it. I love my pastor, Chris Hodges, who's a fantastic leader and uh, just a, a great friend, has big vision, loves the local church, but we wouldn't have Church of the Highlands if it wouldn't be for Seacoast Church. See, what you've invested in over the years is impacting things that you may not even know until you get to heaven. But your pastors, both Greg and D 
Debbie and Josh and, you know, Jenna and um, Lisa and also Jason have invested their lives in this city, in this town, in this state, but it's having an impact around the world. And though Church of the Highlands is known for a lot of great things as the second largest church in America and all these different dynamics, none of that wouldn't have happened if it wouldn't have been for vision and generosity of Seacoast Church. So I just want to honor you guys and just we love you and thank you. It's amazing, when God wants to bless you, he brings a person in your life. When the enemy wants to destroy you, he brings a person in your life. You know, I've found in life, people want you to succeed, but not too much. But God has a plan for our life. If you know my story, I've got, I've got five children, um, been married 30 years to the same amazing woman, Laura, and I uh, brought my family with me uh, in a picture, and I wanted to share that with you guys. So, you know, look, you know, I got five kids, three daughter-in-loves. I've got our fourth grandbaby on the way, and, you know, you say, man, that's a lot of kids. Yes, it is, because I love my wife a whole lot. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but we've been married 30 years. We just celebrated that, and, you know, I've got my, my boys here. Let's see, it's on the left there is Ashton. I'll get to him here in a second because it's a, kind of a funny story, God's sense of humor. Um, my, my other son, Winston, who's my oldest, and then Harrison, who's uh, second, and then Grayson, who's third, and my daughter-in-law's London, Samantha, and Lauren. And uh, that's my sweet little Evelyn. She's my oldest, my first grandbaby. And uh, she was not able to say Pops, because I'm called Pops and my wife's lovey. All she could say when it came out, and I believe it was the voice of God, it was Boss. And so I was like, yeah, that's awesome, boss. He goes, boss, boss, and for me to pick her up. And uh, so I love her. She's kind of my favorite right now. Um, and then sweet little Zara. Zara is going 100 miles an hour. That's how she lives, breathes, sleeps. Uh, that's how she looks all the time. She's just a bundle of joy and just having a blast. Um, also, uh, I, my, my little sweet sunshine on the far left, that's Isabella Grace. When you have four boys and then you have a girl, she's the majority. You, I, there's a little sign when you walk in her room, it says, my prince has come. His name is Daddy. Come on, somebody. You know, Hillsong may have young and free, but that's young and expensive. So I love, love, oh, oh, look, there's my little boy. That is my first grandson, Winston, little Winston. He's a Cajun, you can tell. He just ate him some crawfish etouffee, come on. <laughs> that little joker is a bundle of joy. He has a spiritual gift of eating and, uh, <laughs> you know, but he, he's a blessing. But I, I love my kids. I think it's the highest calling being a dad. I think it's the highest calling. You know, that is my legacy. It's not gonna be the size of my balance sheet. It's not gonna be what kind of I did in business as much as it will be in the lives that I've impacted starting right at home. And the title of my message today is Discovering Your Purpose. You know, my personal story, I had a gift on my life, but I didn't have the character to handle it in my first business. When I was in my 20s, I came up with a way that you could do commerce through the internet in 1993 and it had never been done before. And the business grew rapidly 
didn't have really anybody speak into my life. It was kind of my world. And in my 20s, in two years, it just tremendously successful. And then two years later, was out of business. And I wonder, I thought my life was over in my 20s. And I, I look at my life, and God used those things to ris- really chisel me. Kind of like an old car that's getting restored. You got to strip that baby down to the metal. And God brought me on this journey. I thought my life was over in my 20s, only to know it was just beginning. God doesn't waste anything at all. And there can be so much purpose in the pain if we'll allow God to do a thorough work. You see, I have a few scars in my life, but I have no wounds. Because I think scars have wisdom. I want to do life with people who have some scars. Wounds, I want to help them. But I want to help change the world with those who have a little bit of scars. I think scars have a little bit of wisdom in it. You know, I always believed that my purpose was to create wealth to fund God's kingdom. I believe that's what God created me to do, would be part of a local church, because the local church kind of is this vehicle that can touch a lot of things. I kind of look at the local church as this. I look at it like a kingdom mutual fund. I think the local church does everything in Jesus' name, so it's not only um, helping the poor and helping disaster recovery and rescuing girls from sex trafficking and helping them, but it's doing it and then eventually bringing the gospel. Because we're, we're, we're dealing not only with the present need, we're dealing with eternity. And the local church offers what I call an E-R-O-I. It's an eternal return on investment. But that mutual fund is invested in real estate. It's in, it's in different areas. It's in next generation students and it's local, national, and global initiatives, much like a traditional mutual fund. But I think at the end of our life, what we invest in our life, does it really matter? And my purpose was, I said, God, when I started over the second time, I was having one of these conversations. I don't know if you've ever had a conversation with God when you messed up and you're trying to get back on track, and I'm having this negotiation conversation with God. Lord, if you will bless me one more time. If you will just give it to me one more time, God, I'm not going to blow it. I'm not going to, I learned my lesson. I learned my lesson. And as a perfect father, I'm sure he chuckled about that. And uh, he's, you know, he said, son, instead of worrying about 50 million, how about you be faithful with the 50 you got? Dollars. And as we started over, you know, my wife and I, we basically, I went to my pastor and I said, I told him this, I said, I got big vision in my heart. Now I'm young, guys. You know, everything you live your life when you're in your 20s ends with an exclamation point. Then when you get to your 30s, they don't work anymore. They turn to question marks. And you're trying to figure some stuff out because you got like married. And then you have kids. And then you have a house note. And then you have a car note. And then you have a note note. And then you need FPU, Dave Ramsey Financial Freedom. Because you're trying to figure all of this stuff out. But in my story, I went to my pastor and I said, I got this big vision. I want to fund the kingdom. And he says, you know what? I got $50 over my tithe. I was almost, em- I wasn't almost, I was embarrassed to even say that. It's like, I have $50 that I want to help. And so we started, my wife and I, every month we would write checks and we would give over and above our tithe to two different organizations our church was partnering with. And it started to grow. And God started to bless it. And so I started walking out this kind of, what I thought was very meaning- meaningless. It didn't really have much purpose to it, but I was just like, 
I knew there was something in my heart, so I was just gonna be faithful to what he put in my hand. And I think the key to it is, if you don't find your purpose, you see, a person without a purpose is always at the mercy of a person with a purpose. You know, all of us, we have some differences. You know, you guys are the Clemson Tigers and the Carolina Gamecocks, and I love my LSU Tigers, and I'm in Birmingham, Alabama, y'all. I'm like on a mission trip. It's like Birmingham for the LSU fans, like an unreached people group. It's tough. But my pastor is an LSU graduate, so I got a little bit of protection. I'm part of kind of in the family, kind of like La Familia, the mafia. So we call ourselves the Louisiana mafia. And uh, so, but every single one of us, we may have differences, but we all have these two things in common. Every single one of us. Number one is we're all candidates for promotion. Every single one of us is a candidate for promotion. All of us have been given a purpose. Number two is we all have the capacity to promote others. And I think as a believer, our purpose always includes other people. It always includes other people. But we have to reconcile, I think, this one scripture. I'm not gonna read the whole chapter, it's in Colossians 1, but Colossians 1 talks about the supremacy of God. And in verse 16, I'm gonna summarize it for you. In verse 16, it says this. It says that we're created by God for God. We're created by God for God. Not by God for me, but by God for him, for God. And if we reconcile that in Colossians 1:16, everything in our life, there has to be a response of change. There has to be a response that, you know what, if I'm created for God, then that should dictate some of my actions that are a little bit different than what I'm currently living. If we, if we believe that we're created for God, then he has a divine purpose for us to fulfill. And nothing is gonna make us happy, fulfilled, unless we tap into that purpose. I love this church. You have something called Inside Track. And basically, it helps people to understand not only what the church is all about, but to connect to your spiritual gift. So you have a specific gift in life that God's created you for. You know, church, God has called you and he's also saved you. So he called you, but then he saved you to make a difference. So every one of you will hear kind of the word, oh, I have a calling on my life. When I first heard that, I was like, that's kind of weird. I don't know what that means. I'm in the marketplace. I don't understand that churchese language. I got a calling on my life. And but I started to research that and God has called us and then he saved us to make a difference. Ecclesiastes 3, 11 in the Amplified says this. He says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also planted eternity in men's hearts and minds. And watch this in the Amplified, I love this. It says, a divinely implanted sense of a purpose working through the ages how many of you know it takes some time for your purpose to be realized, which nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy? I think that ties to we're created for God. Yet so that men cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Every single one of us was created by God with eternity in our hearts. I think we're always searching. I think we're always searching trying to find that thing that's gonna bring fulfillment. I would be sitting in a place just like you. I was in 30 years in business. We were in the financial technology business. We had roughly 
15,000 financial institutions that use our products and services across the world. Started that in the basement of a rent house. It was my second business. Using fax machines and eating a lot of uh, peanut butter and jelly and Vienna sausage because we didn't have anything. But we had a vision and we knew God had given us a purpose. And we were being faithful to what was in our hand. But then God basically puts this purpose in our heart because purpose is what God puts in your heart. But calling is what God puts in your hand. And I think, too, I think the more that I understood the difference between calling and purpose, because you see, many people want to lay down their business gift to go chase this ministry idea. Because the closer we get to God, we think, well, man, I must need to go in the ministry. But so many people want to lay down a gift that God's called them to reach this thing in their heart, which is to fulfill what God has on their life, and they lay it down, which that's the key thing that connects to the purpose. So being faithful to your calling is what's key to your purpose. You got to look at what's in your hand. You know, what's in your hand is a calling, but what's in your heart is purpose. What's in your hand seems natural. It's the thing, it's, I would say it this way, it's your wheelhouse. So if you're an entrepreneur, it's in creating businesses and seeing things a certain way. If you're a doctor and you're in the medical community or if you're a salesperson or you're a student, it's the thing that you can get up doing every single day that just comes natural to you. It's your wheelhouse. For me, I was in sales, I was in business, I would be thinking, if you were the ice, well, not the ice cream, I'll get to that here in a second. If you were the lemonade person on the block, I was supplying the lemonade mix. I was kind of the distribution guy. That I just, and even at six and seven years old, I had an ice cream business. It's a true story. It didn't last long. I convinced the ice cream man to get me and front me the ice cream because I saw my other friends, they were wanting that ice cream. So I became the middleman. And I started brokering this ice cream when I was six and seven years old. Until one day, I thought it was great because I had some extra cash. And you know, then, the, then all of a sudden, one night, about 7.30 at night, there's a big knock on the door, boop, 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 boop. And my dad says, well, who is at the front door? And he opens the door and it's the ice cream man. That ice cream man's looking for his money. I didn't realize that I had to set up an accounts payable. <laughs> and so my dad's hollering at me and he says, come here. And he says, do you owe this man some money? And I'm like, for what? And he's like, for the ice cream. I said, oh, that, yes, I do. How many of you know my dad took all that money out my backside? <laughs> that was the end of Lee's ice cream enterprise. But it's your wheelhouse, it's the thing that comes natural to you. So what's in your hand is natural, but what's in your heart is spiritual. It's the thing that you dream about. What's in your hand is pressure and responsibility. It's the here and now, it's the weightiness of life. But what's in your heart is romance, a little fantasy. I use the word maybe sexy, if I could do that in church. But a little sexy. There's no romance in it. What's in your hand is now and familiar. It can even seem mundane. 
sometimes, what's in your hand. I'm just going through the motions. I don't think that I'm getting anywhere. Man, I just, all I'm doing is I'm working, then I go home, I check my box and come up here to service on a Sunday and or Saturday night, and I'm just, I'm gonna get into inside track, but I'm checking these boxes, but I'm still unfulfilled. Because I sat where you were at for many, many years, and I would ask myself the question, is this all there is in being a Christian? Filled with the Spirit of God, know I'm going to heaven, love my wife, love my family, working hard, giving, generous, but I was still had something going on where I was unfulfilled. And the closer I would get to the Lord, the more it was a challenge between the two worlds of the marketplace and ministry. And I would even have these conversations, well, maybe I just need to go into full-time ministry. That didn't happen until I turned 50, which was five years ago. So I'm 55, and by the way, Whoever said 50 is the new 30, they lied to you. <laughs> 50's 50. About 4 a.m. every morning, I find out that I'm 50. <laughs> you young people don't have a clue what I'm talking about, <laughs> but you will. Come on. <laughs> but what's in your hand, it can even seem mundane, but what's in your heart? It's intriguing, and there's, it's even, it feels distant. It's intriguing and drawing you, somewhat mysterious, but it's distant. Many of you've told each other, your spouse or friends, you go, I know God's doing something in me. I just, I know I've got a purpose, and I can see part of it, but I can't see it all. And then what we want to do is do the thing that we shouldn't do, is lay down the thing that we're gifted and doing every day to go chase some ministry calling. Because it is the key to being faithful to reach your purpose is being faithful to what God put in your hand. You know, I think of Bono of U2. Y'all may not know who that is because y'all are holy up here in South Carolina. But U2, Bono even professes to be a believer. He has this thing in his heart for developing nations, to help the poor, to help the needy. I think this is a great example to somebody being faithful to what God placed in their hand to fulfill what God put in their heart. You see, if he would have stopped after the second record and never had the career he's had with the group U2, he wouldn't have been able to have the influence to fund billions of dollars to developing nations. You see, he was faithful to what was in his hand and it was the key to what was in his heart. In my own life, my wife and I have an anti-trafficking ministry that we started in 2007 called Trafficking Hope. We didn't think human trafficking existed in the US, but we had an education because someone affected in our family personally, and it wrecked me. And so I'm looking at this going, man, what gotta respond? This is crazy that this is going on, much less across the pond, but it's happening on our watch. And so my wife and I all of a sudden started using our platform in what we were doing, philanthropic things around in the community, and I believe in being generous, and, and I love that, but I started looking at my generosity going, is that really making a difference? Or maybe I should redirect it where things are actually happening that are gonna get me that eternal return on investment. And start helping these girls. Your church has partnered with us. Your church has been generous to us, and you don't even know that. We have helped over 400, as of yesterday, 412 girls rescued in the U.S. because of your generosity. 
But if I would not, if I would have laid down my business platform, the governor in our state at the time wouldn't have connected with me and said, let's partner together because you guys are on to something. If you'll be the tip of the spear, we'll get the resources of the state, we'll get the law enforcement officials. We'll, if you can provide training and your teams can help us to go on stings and outreaches because we know you have a platform of influence, let's partner together. That would have never happened if I would have just went into the quote unquote ministry. It wasn't until I was 50 years old that, you know, and I've helped churches years, really my heart is to do these things. It's number one, I love the local church, I love pastors, and I love business people. And I think the three are all tied together. I think the destiny of a pastor and the destiny of a Christian business person is intertwined. I think one sets the vision, the other sets the speed of it. And I think that we, as a partnership, my, a mentor in my life was a football coach named Bill McCartney. And Coach Mack basically told me, he said, Lee, this message of bringing those two worlds together, it's really God's calling you to help them not compete, but to complete each other. And when he said that, it really resonated with me. Not to see that there is a wall between the two, but to bring them together. So I've committed the second half of my life. I had a halftime moment. I committed the second half of my life to helping churches and business people bridge that gap. Because how many of you know a pastor and a business person speak two different languages? One speaks Mandarin, the other speaks Cantonese. They both Chinese, but they don't sound different. I mean, they sound completely different, right? And so you're sitting in all you business people, y'all kind of chuckling, and the ones that aren't chuckling, you chuckling on the inside. Because a business person's never gonna tell you they don't understand to their pastor. They just gonna be, well, I bless God. I guess he knows what he's doing. Bless God, you know, and he kind of just shakes his hand. You know, okay, we're gonna pray from he hears from the voice of God, and you know, all right. Then we go to our Monday through Friday world, where God wants to bring our Monday through Friday and us see it as a redemptive calling. Equally as important as the calling on Pastor Josh's life, on Pastor Greg's life. Equally as important. And it wasn't until I connected the kingdom purpose that everything changed. You see, church, we don't see, we can't see what God has really has uh, given us as a barrier. I think a lot of times we see it as something that impedes us when we ought to see it as something that empowers us. Don't get caught up in what others have. I think we get so distracted on what other people are doing, it's like, man, I wish I could do that. No, be faithful to what's in your hand. And it's the key to you realizing what's in your heart. You know, I thought about this, I wrote this down. I say, like, God didn't forget who he was. God doesn't have a mental breakdown problem. He's not schizophrenic. God basically didn't create you one way to use you another. He created us for kingdom purpose. You know, gifts and callings are without repentance, the Bible says. In Romans eleven twenty three, it says, for God's gifts, everybody say God's gifts. And his call are irrevocable. Some of you in the legal profession, what does that mean? It can't be changed. It's irrevocable. Like if I set up an irrevocable trust, it cannot be changed. It has to stay to the original intent. It's irrevocable. God did not forget who he was. He's not gonna create you to do one thing and then use you to do an entirely different thing. I think we have too many pastors that wanna be you know, business people and business people that wanna be pastors. I think you have worship leaders, sometimes they wanna be rock stars. And everybody's kinda of confused. Where God's given us a lane to run our race. 
And I shared this with Pastor last night as we were having dinner at the best restaurant in the whole planet. It was like, I was in a grits coma, y'all. Grace and grit. Unbelievable. I told my wife, I said, they got pimento cheese grits. They got blueberry grits. They, I mean, they got crawfish etouffee grits. No, they don't have those. But it's amazing. So we're sitting there. I was in my grits coma. <laughs> and I'm sitting there. I said, your worship team is a gift. No, 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 no. Y'all don't know me. Back in the day, I was a disc jockey. DJ Lee. I know I look like some conservative accountant up here in my sport coat and my slacks and my little wingtips and my little glasses, but I was DJ Lee. That was BC, before Christ. You don't want to hear about all that. The worship team is a gift. The purity that's coming off of that stage, the innocence, it's not about entertainment. They're bringing you into worship. And you guys are a gift. Yeah. So what am I saying? What's the key, Lee? Kind of rise. Key, Lee. The key to fulfilling your purpose is being faithful to what is in your hand. The key to fulfilling your purpose is being faithful to what is in your hand. You got to stay in your lane. God has given you a unique lane to run your race. If you stay in your lane, Pastor Josh stays in his lane, Pastor Jason stays in his lane, Pastor Greg stays in his lane, and I stay in my lane, we're gonna make a tremendous impact together for the kingdom. But we gotta stay in our lane. You see, I, let me finish my story about that $50 act of faith that didn't seem like a lot. You see, I fulfilled my purpose with being faithful to what was in my hand. My wife and I, as I shared with you, started giving $50 a month. We gave it to uh, an orphanage in Africa through our church, and we gave it through Teen Challenge because David Wilkerson, who founded that, always scared me, and I wanted him praying for me. <laughs> and, and so I knew he, he like had a direct line to God, so I was like, I want that brother praying for me. So I, we, were, we were sending money and praying. So every month, my wife and I would get together, and we would add more projects. I'd meet with my pastor, and he'd say, well, you know, I said, you know these people? And he goes, yeah, this is a great place to put it. I'm like, okay, you're kind of like an investment advisor for the kingdom. And so we're meeting, and because I wanted not to give to my church, I wanted to give through my church. And so we were giving, and they were setting vision, and so all of a sudden we started supporting eight organizations, and the dollar amounts went up to 100 and 200 and 300 and 400 per organization. And then all of a sudden we started supporting 20 organizations, and 40 and 60 and 80 and 100 per month, and then 120 and 140, and we were supporting 145 projects in and through our church every month. So after a few years, isn't it amazing God? God can move in the moment, but he likes the long-term play. So after many years, I think it was around seven, we looked back and we'd invested $6 million into the kingdom. And when you think about that, that would have never happened if you wouldn't have been faithful with the 50. It never would have happened. So homes for girls being built, anti-trafficking victims, thousands, tens of thousands of orphans getting care and help, all happened because of being faithful to what was in the hand. I think so many of us wait till we arrive to some place 
Hear me, church, you can own 20 Chick-fil-A's or you can be the French fry guru at Chick-fil-A. It all matters. Which, by the way, the cookies and cream milkshake at Chick-fil-A, that's like heaven. It kind of goes with them grits. Somebody said, well, Lee, you eat all that food. I know you stay trim, but you're going to die, man. You're going to die eating all that Cajun food. I said, yep. I said, you may outlive me by five years, but I'm living with a good, I'm going to die with a good taste in my mouth. That's what I'm talking about. So the $50 a month led to $6 million. So now at 50 years old, I'm sharing what I've learned and what I've lived with churches because it's not about me. But if you give away what God has given you, what ends up happening is now thousands of churches, the world of a pastor and a business person are coming together, and we're seeing churches advance like never before. We're seeing debt be paid off so that they can give more to missions. We're seeing impact made where billions of dollars is being funneled to the kingdom because people are being faithful what's in their hand. You see, it's not this beautiful building that's the point. It's the life change that's going to happen in this building that then they can take out to Charleston, Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, all over the world. That's where the difference is being made. You know, as I close, I started thinking about you guys and discovering your purpose. You've got to take a step. I want to encourage you to commit and go all in in this church. You've got a great church. But commit and go all in for 12 months. If it's not effective, if your life isn't changed, if you haven't connected to kingdom purpose, email me, Lee at Church of the Highlands. I'll refund your tithe money. I'm just joking about that. No. <laughs> but commit to go 12 months. Go all in. If you haven't completed inside track or if you did it a long time ago, you need to go back through it. I think when you discover your purpose, I didn't even realize I had the spiritual gift of generosity and had lived it. I didn't even know it was a spiritual gift. Now, that's just one of mine. I have an administrative gift. I had this leadership gift, but I also had some other gifts that I didn't know that I had. But when I started serving in the area that I'm hardwired and gifted, the fulfillment came. You see, when we serve in areas that God hasn't called us to, we're not gonna be fulfilled. I can't sing this amazing worship team's not gonna let me on this team. I can kill it in the shower. I sound like Leon Bridges, y'all. I know y'all don't know who that is, but I do. And he can bring it, kind of like a modern-day Sam Cooke for some of your elderly people in here. But it, it's like, I am, I am one of those. You know, I got my AARP card. That was the most depressing moment, Pastor Greg. I'm like, they got the wrong address. I don't live here anymore. But go all in for 12 months at Seacoast. Go through inside track and see how God hardwired you with a spiritual gift. Marketplace person. So if you're working for someone, if you're a student, you're gonna be working for someone. Right now you're working for the school. Then you're gonna work for that student loan company that you gotta pay back. But see your role in the marketplace as your ministry. Things will begin to change. Have a spirit of excellence. I love Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I do, like my little grandson, I got the spiritual gift of food, man. I just love it. I'm a foodie, and you're in foodie heaven in here. I'm seeing all these restaurants. Charleston, the number one city to live in the United States. Y'all need to keep all that quiet. <laughs> Unless you're going to have some crazy Cajuns coming up here. You don't want them crazy Cajuns coming up here. 
But I look at life and I say, you know what? Spirit of excellence, Chick-fil-A has that. They're kicking everybody's tail on one less day. You go in there, you feel great. It's a spirit of excellence. You go to my hometown, Popeye's, it's a fist fight through the drive-thru. It may taste good, but you're sweating at the end of it. I don't know why I'm going there. But the Chick-fil-A, it's like I walk up there and that sweet, young, angelic being, I walk there and I, I get up and I, I don't have my wallet. I go there three times a week, I don't have my wallet. And she said, I said, oh man, I'm gonna have to come back. I get my waffle fries, go large, cookies and cream milkshake, Powerade number one. I know it. And I sat there and I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I need to get my wallet. I'm gonna come back. She says, oh no, sir. Just like that. It's on us today, sir. I'm like, oh, glory to God. I had to bring that Christianese in there at that moment. I said, glory to God. I said, are you serious? She said, I'll pay you. She says, no, sir, it's on us today. You know what that told me? Spirit of excellence. That's the most attractive thing we as Christians can do. You want to witness to somebody? Have a life of excellence. Excellence is not extravagance, by the way. Excellence is excellent. Have an excellent attitude. Somebody empowered her to make that decision. So what do I do? I tell everybody that story. Excellence is infectious. But you got to see your marketplace meant as your ministry. Your job is not a job. Don't lay it down to chase something that when you finally or maybe even get it, it's unfulfilling. The key to what's in your heart is being faithful to what's in your hand. So let's commit. Go 12 months all in. If you haven't gone through inside track, recommit and go through that. It starts next week. And lastly, don't settle. Heaven and hell are real. People that we know and love are gonna go to one of those places. You say, Lee, I don't know. You don't know the pain I went through. You can start from this day forward to make that change. Don't settle and let's finish the race. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you so much for who you are. I thank you, Lord, that you are the God of the second chance and third chance. I thank you for this house. I thank you for every family represented in this place, online, and at all the other campuses. We pray a blessing, God, upon them. We pray, God, that you would stir up in our hearts, God, the dream once again. Stir up in our hearts, God, that we would fulfill all that you've called us to do, Father, that we would discover our purpose and we wouldn't settle with it, that, Lord, we're going to give it away. We're not only going to fulfill our purpose, but we're going to impact the city and the nations, God. We pray just a blessing, God, over every family that's represented here, every marriage, every child, and that, Lord, we pray that our greatest days are ahead of us. So, Lord, do what only you can do in our life, Father. We commit today that we will finish in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Thank you so much. God bless you.